everybody. This is Rachel from Grayscale Gorilla, and welcome to another Grayscale Gorilla podcast. Today's episode is a little more layered because, well, it's about layers and a bunch of other things. Nick and Chad are going to talk about one of those things that really isn't as visually appealing, but it's also very key to keeping your sanity as a 3D artist. Workflow. From project structure to takes to the all-important folder structure, and of course layers, Chad is going to reveal how he keeps his projects tight. They're going to talk about that and so much more. Hey, Cinema 4D artists, if you're not a Plus member and are feeling left out, check out Grayscale Gorilla Plus, where you will get access to our huge library of materials, lighting tools, animation plugins, and all sorts of other goodies. And now, without further ado, let's start today's podcast. Holy moly, we made it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Grayscale Gorilla live show. Happy Thursday. Uh, maybe it might be Friday for some of you, I've learned. Uh, mm. <laughs> happy day to you, and welcome to another Grayscale Girl Live show. Chad Ashley, how are you today? Doing good. It feels it feels like a Friday to me because we had Monday off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm all messed up. I feel like anytime they give a, you know, you get a Monday off, it, like, screws up your whole week. Like, you don't know what day it is, so... It's all screwy. I'm I'm meeting a friend after this to go drink a beer. It does feel like a Friday. Well, happy just screw it. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to another Grace Go Grill live <laughs> show. Today, we'll be uh, discussing some of our favorite tips and tricks on how to work faster, more efficiently, more professionally inside of Cinema 4D. Um, we have a ton of stuff to go through, ton of notes. We're get, even going to dip into Cinema 4D later and show you some of these right inside of Cinema 4D. And uh, we're also going to ask you guys what your favorite tips are for working faster in Cinema 40. Speaking of you guys, thank you so much for coming. I'm going to turn on the chat overlay here, turn off the uh, logo here for a second. And uh, how is everybody doing? Let us know how you're doing. Let us know where you're from. We love seeing all that in our chat. Um, awesome. Rachel, thank you uh, as well. Rachel's been rocking our um, links and uh running the chat and everything for the last few uh, live shows. So everybody thank Rachel as well. She's been rocking it. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Amazing. Amazing. Friday in one hour. Dorian, you're close <laughs> to the Friday. It's close uh, enough. We got shout outs to your shirt, Chad. I love it. Oh, nice. Chris, can't wait to meet up with you guys too. We got meetups coming soon. Uh, looks like we're going to be at uh, NAB. So uh, if, if you guys are going to be at NAB, uh, well, excited to see you guys there. Um, <laughs> your best, we already got, we already got a, a tip. I asked everybody what your favorite tips to work faster in Cinema 4D is. And uh, Renault says, uh, use Signal. <laughs> Good answer. Thanks. Thanks. Good I appreciate answer. it. answer. Loading plugins. Uh, what up, folks? Can't wait to connect. Chicago's here. Fulton Market, even more specifically. Love wow. it. Good to see you. We, we had a, uh, the old office was close enough to Fulton Market. Sean's in the house. Hey, what's up, Sean? Good to see you. Uh, let's see here. Lake Arrowhead. That sounds close, too. You know that? Sounds familiar. Lake Arrowhead? Is that? I don't even know where that is. Sounds like a... Sounds like some Sounds like of, a nice place. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. Uh, Italy's here. Um, so, uh, thank you guys so much for joining. Do us a favor as we get started. Wake up the YouTube robots. Hit the like button. Uh... And uh, even chatting, letting us know where you're from is helpful to uh, wake wake YouTube up. Let them 
let them know we're live. And if you're on Twitter, you're out in the world, you have friends, you have a following that does Cinema 4D stuff, let them know. This will be our last live show uh, for quite a few weeks now. We're going to take the summer a little bit slower. Uh, we're going to end the season of live shows with this one right here. So this is it. This is the last live show for uh, a, uh, probably at least a month. We'll be back uh, as the summer wraps up. Um, but uh, Grayscale Gorilla is not going anywhere, of course. We'll be around. Uh, the team's here. Support's all rocking. We're just going to take a little break from the live show. Hello from Colombia. Hello from Hungary's here. New York. Ohio, moving to LA. Nice, Mason. What's up? Um, Atlanta. So Africa's back. That's great. That's incredible. So uh, let's go through a little bit of news, a uh, little Grace Gorilla news, and then we're going to jump into our main topic today. Uh, all about. We're also going to have you guys ask some questions. It's all about how to work faster and more efficiently in Cinema 40. Um, we all have been at the point where we have learned something and. When you're just starting to learn something, when you're just new at something, it's always slow, right? You forget where things are, and you got to go back and double-check the tutorial and, and all that stuff. But as we all uh, get clients and are working professionally in this industry, uh, your clients are going to expect you to work faster, more efficiently. Your boss is going to expect that. And you as an artist, uh, as a craftsperson, are, are, do, you should be learning how to use your tools more efficiently. Just like any craftsperson out in the world that does uh, something for a living with their hands, they have tools around them that help them work faster and you know, laying out the workshop and all that kind of stuff. So I'm already starting with the metaphors, Chad. You better watch out. We got a workshop it's metaphor gonna be, here. It's gonna be one of those shows. Yeah, hold on. Let me get a little little uh, bubbles here. Tally the, uh, the, the metaphors. Get them out. Yo, GSG, and I see you, Larry. What's up? Thank you guys so much. Um, Awesome. Brazil's here. Hey, real quick shout out as well to everybody on Facebook and Twitch watching. No, uh, we get a lot of comments here on YouTube, uh, but we see you. We see you, Facebook. We see you, Ricky, on Facebook. Uh, we see you scrolling for Twitch people. Hey, we see you, <laughs> digital uh, aardvark, artvark. Good to see you. Checking in from the Twin Cities. Good to see you. Um, all right, some quick Grayscale Gorilla news before we get started. Last uh, episode was two weeks ago. Uh, that one has been remastered for YouTube. If you missed last week's, definitely go check it out. Rachel remastered it. We also have the podcast out. We're also remastering some of the Q&As that we do on these live shows for the podcast. If you're not subscribed to the Grayscale Gorilla podcast, type that exact phrase into Spotify, into iTunes, and Grayscale Gorilla podcast will pop up. We have... Uh, uh, sh some more shows uh, coming out soon and go back in the archives. I just uh, went back in the archives and saw that we had an interview with people at half res from uh, 2016, 17 era uh, talking to people about how he gets his work done. So if you wanted to see um, uh, an interview, if you haven't seen that interview yet, go back in the podcast archives, go listen to that one. Uh, not with kids in the room, a lot of swearing going on, but you know, that's okay. That's, that's what you get. That's what you get with the people. All right, friends. Um, uh, what else? Last bit. Oh, uh, we we were like a week away from the, the latest uh, plus update before our last show. So I think we teased the neon. We showed you guys the new neon collection uh, and the neon letters. And so, uh, Chad, why don't you run through some of the latest stuff that we just dropped in the latest um, uh, release for plus members Plus, members, all of this stuff is in your account right now. 
uh, it came out, you're all set to go. But Chad, why don't you fill us in with a few of the latest uh, things that you and the team added? Yeah, so uh, if you were here last time, you saw the tease of the Neon stuff. So the Neon stuff is out, Neon Materials, plus two different complete letter sets of models of, of Neon letters that you can duplicate around and spell out you know, dirty words or whatever you're into. Um, in addition to that, we also released an insanely cool, huge collection of metal materials, which I highly re recommend checking them out. They, um, they're some of our best work to date, I think, and are extremely detailed metals, rust, tin, pattern metals, uh, oily metals, pewter metals, like all kinds of metals, like so much metal, it's it's kind of ridiculous, which is why last time, if you remember, I was wearing a Slayer shirt that was a little bit of a of a sneak sneak preview, or I guess that's a, they call it an Easter egg, I believe, right? Isn't that what they call it? That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so we did metals, and then in addition to that, we also released a brand new set of Pro Studios Metal, uh, Pro Studios Metals HDRIs, it's really hard to say that product's name. Pro Studio Metals HDRIs. Wait, Volume Two. Volume Two. <laughs> yeah, we really got to work on our names. It's it's a bit of a mouthful. Anyway, so uh, yeah, we released a crap load of stuff that make metals look great, and then we threw in the neon as like, hey, here's something fun to use and try out. Yeah, and if I'm remembering right, a new Surface Imperfections collection uh, called. Right. What one was that one? That one's crust. Yeah. So we, we've been building on our library of surface imperfections since we came out with, I believe the first one we did might've been scratches. I believe was the first one. Um, so crust is the, the latest uh, edition of our surface imperfection collections and we've got more coming. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Miss you, buddy. Patrick says you just need to add a final final at the end of those product names. <laughs> <laughs> yes um yeah thank you chad a uh, huge new release for plus members and as always if you're a plus member you get everything new that we release uh on day one it's there right in your account ready to go and uh we try to make these so they all work together just like chad said the metals plus the metal hdri collections uh plus the crust actually works really well as a metal surface imperfection um and then of course um the uh, neon as well. So uh, and neon looks nice uh, next to metal. <laughs> so reflective. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's reflective. And don't forget that alphabet. So you get a full neon alphabet so you could spell uh, everything you need there with that. So definitely check that out. Uh, Rachel made an awesome new blog post if you want to see everything new. And plus, um, it is ready to go. Uh, Chad, I, I, you know, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but you guys are bringing the heat with the materials lately. I've been dragging and dropping those materials. Everything's looking great. Uh, we're we're building what I would call the the best material collection for Cinema 40 users. Uh, we're, I'm not going to argue with that. All right, all right. I'll look, look. I appreciate you. All right, let's get on with it today. Uh, we're talking about how to work faster, smarter, uh, more efficiently um, in Cinema 40, so you can get more work done, so you can get to the final render faster. And for me, part of working faster is so that you could try as many options as possible. Sometimes I don't quite know where something is gonna go artistically. And by working faster, it allows me to make more creative decisions, go down rabbit holes, try new things, and allow me to work uh, more uh, kind of free flowy 
because I'm more efficient with my tools. And it lets me go try something and say, and, and, and also quickly get back to where I was with some of these tips we're going to talk about today. So very excited uh, to share some of these with you guys. Um, as we wrap, uh, as we start getting into some of our tips, we also want to hear from you guys. So uh, periodically, I'm going to ask you guys what your favorite tips are. And But let's start with a few questions. Um, let's get started with a few questions. If you guys have a question about something specific, you want to work faster in Cinema 4D, uh, maybe something came up in the last month or so, um, or think about that button you hit every dang day and you're like, do I really need to hit this button every day? That's kind of how I think. <laughs> yeah. um, if if uh, something's popping up, drop it in the chat. We would love to hear from you. Uh, it's the best thing if you could put a cue in front of it. That'll help me find it in the uh, the uh, chat here. Um, let's see here. Uh, here's a somewhat related question about learning uh, Cinema 4D versus Maya. Chad, I'm sure you have something quick to say about this. Please help me get an answer. Is it worth retraining for Cinema 4D if you use Maya? So I'm, I'm guessing this uh, RF uses Maya and is just asking, like, what's the transition like to get Cinema 4D? Yeah, I, know I, I think it's it's completely dependent on what what you're doing. If you're if you're notice if you're freelance and you're noticing that all the studios are using Cinema and you know Maya, then yeah, it's definitely worth retraining for Cinema. Um, if it's just because you just want to learn something new, I mean, listen, I'm I I learn everything I possibly can. I I'm a bit of a I have a bit of a problem with that. A lot of the times, I like start learning something and then I just go on to the next thing before I even finish learning the other thing. <laughs> so for me, um, I'm always going to say yes, because adding more tools to your toolkit is never a bad idea. As long as you have a pretty good understanding of Maya and it's, t and it's re you're ready to move on uh, or try something else or just like expand, expand your tool set. Like I definitely think um, I don't like to consider it retraining because when I, when I see that word retraining, it kind of makes it seem like you're, you're, leaving the tool that you were using before and you're just going to go work on that on the on this other tool which in some cases you have to do but i just try to like think about it like well i'm going to add this to my toolkit rather than replace something i always like to add things instead of subtract them um i mean obviously over time there's things that you don't use anymore and you just end up not you know using them you still know them which is great or if you're like me you, you forget them pretty quickly but <laughs> <laughs> which is why I write everything down. But yeah, I think it's worth it. Yeah, why not? You know, like you're here, you're obviously here, you're interested in Cinema 4D. So I think I think you should do it. Yeah, uh, check out our intro to Cinema 4D series as well. Um, you might be able to skip past some of the super basics because you're coming from another 3D platform, but that'll help you kind of get oriented in the Cinema 4D world and you can pick it up really, really quickly if you're already... Uh, if, if you've already done other 3D stuff. So thanks for the question, RF. I appreciate it. Uh, we got a question here I can answer pretty quickly. Edward is asking, why do you set frames per second in both your render settings and in your project manager? This confused me too uh, for a long time. And the answer is there's the frames per second that you want your entire scene to be. And then there's the frames... Uh, per second that you want to render at, okay? So why would there be a difference? Well, it's almost like playback versus um, your recording on your camera. So why would you want to record something at a higher frame rate and then play it back at a different frame rate? 
right? Like what's the number one reason people do that, Chad? Record something at one frame rate and then play it back at a different frame rate. Flexibility. Flexibility, right? <clears throat> so you get ultimate flexibility and you also get the ability to slow things down and speed things up, right? So if you use a GoPro, you're filming or your phones now do this, shoot at 120 frames per second, but then you want it to play back at the original frame rate or at a slower frame rate, that is a reason you would add more frames. So let's just quickly say this. If you're working in a project at 30 frames per second, everything's looking great, and you want more flexibility in the edit, you might, on the way out, when you hit render, say, I don't want to render at 30 frames a second. I want to render at 90 frames a second, or I want to render at 120 frames a second. And so now we have a lot of flexibility. It obviously takes longer to render, but now you have the flexibility to add frames to your scene without having to redo your animation. That's the key. You don't have to go back almost like an After Effects comp, right? And go back and rebuild everything. You could just say on the way out, hey, I know this scene is at 24 or 30, but on the way out, I want this to actually be 90. That's that's why those are different. Um, hopefully, I can, I can honestly say I've never changed that number. Uh, you, other you know, than just like hitting 24 or 30, like I've never, never <laughs> well, here, done it. Here's the most common time I've done it. When I do like something like a dynamic simulation and everything's falling the way I want it, but it's too slow or too fast usually. It's like the dynamics are moving too fast. There's two ways to fix that. One is to go into the dynamic settings and change your percentage of your, your like time percentage. But then you're not guaranteed that the simulation that ran looks the same. It's a fundamentally different simulation. So if things are looking right on the screen and things are falling in the right place, but it's too, uh, but it's too fast, for example, I'll just render out extra frames and then slow it down in the comp. That's the number one time I use that. See, like, now, I would do it. I would actually cache that simulation out and retime it as a cache. Just slow as, the cache as, as an Alembic cache. Yeah, that's probably what I would do. But just so that I wouldn't have to render frames that I'm not necessarily, I may not use. Dang it! See, look, this is this is this is why we're doing this, guys. I wouldn't have even thought about that. So there you go. Write that tip down. Bake it. Bake it out. Retime it. Bake uh, it. Bake it. Uh, Bahavna. Hope I said your name right. Uh, after that self-congratulatory humble brag about Grace Gorilla. <laughs> Um, and a not undeserved self-congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we've been working hard. The team's been working hard on making uh, what we think, uh, humbly think, is the best material collection for Cinema 40 users. If you use Octane and Arnold and Redshift, go check it out. Um, please go check it out. Um, it, it, it is it is amazing. I've been using it for a quite, quite a while now, and uh, our customers are just loving it. Um, all right, here. Let's scroll down. Let's get to a couple more questions. Um, we got a retopologize question. I'm not too familiar with this type of stuff. Is there a way to retop retop in cinema similar to Maya? I've been I've been uh, paying for Maya on just re re retop retopologizing uh, UVs. Chad, you have a thought about that? I mean, it's not exactly the same. It's been a really long time since I retopped anything in Maya, and I'm sure the tools have improved even since last time I did it. Um, I will say that uh, Cinema's modeling tools are comparatively to Maya and 3ds Max. They're not, uh, they're not quite there, but they're 
getting better with every release. Get better. Um, the poly pen is great. I highly recommend Googling the Cinema 4D poly pen. Um, that's very useful when doing retop. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's probably uh, some really great tutorials. I'm trying to think, uh, doesn't John Dickinson have some really great modeling stuff out yeah, there? Yeah, abs absolutely. The, his training, uh, uh, I think it's under the making it look great brand or making it look good brand um yeah. it is uh some of the best uh modeling training and i think they do go over some retopologizing so yeah definitely check that yeah, out yeah go check out if you're thinking about it like go check out how he works and you'll get a good idea of how the modeling tools work in cinema compared to maya and that'll give you an idea whether or not you want to make that jump awesome thank you so much for the question uh all right here we got um uh, similar question about modeling stuff in Cinema 4D. It, it does seem to me that that there are like better modeling tools out there. A lot of people that know multiple 3D packages tend not to model in in uh, Cinema 4D unless you're doing uh, some sort of like you know primitive modeling, super basic stuff. Uh, I think Cinema could actually be much quicker because of the MoGraph tools, because of things like that. Uh, but for traditional modeling, I think uh, I think there's some other options if you know um, more than one 3D package. Uh, although, uh, I don't think it's limiting if you only know Cinema 4D. It's just a um, little bit more workarounds and stuff like that from what I understand. Yeah, it's a little bit more destructive, I would say, than like 3ds Max. Like 3ds Max with the modifier stack was just so, you know, kind of procedural in a way where you could just really kind of like not really bake anything down if you didn't want to. Uh, well, Keem has a good point. He's talking about uh, different uh, PAL versus NTSC, which I don't even know if that's still a thing with HD and all that stuff going on, but different frame rates in different countries. Uh, that used to be a really good reason to use those exporters in different frame rates as well. So thanks for that addition there. Um, all right, we got uh, a, a suggestion for, uh, maybe there's a plugin. Uh, Brandon says quad remesher plugin isn't expensive and it's good. So check that out. Thank you, uh, Brandon, for the recommendation. All right. Uh, yeah. Making it look great. 11. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Good to see you, man. Thanks for the uh, update there. Uh, Sean says the uh, retop up, retop. I've been messing that word up all day. Retopologize in, in C4D works just fine with poly pen and the shrink wrap deformer. Good to know. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Going to get a tutorial out of you for that one. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. Patrick. Patrick, what are you modeling in these days? Patrick makes some awesome models. Um, I'd, it'd be interesting to know what, what your uh, workflow is these days. Um, awesome. Okay. Let's see here. Well, Thank you guys. Uh, we're gonna keep reaching out into the chat to ask you guys questions and also ask some of your tips. But I think um, uh, we should jump into some of the tips that we uh, prepared for today's uh, talk and just kind of have a conversation with you guys on some of the things that we've learned over the years that really help us work faster, work more efficiently in some 4D, help us get more work done and uh, just be more organized as well. So uh, Chad, why don't you take the first one, Chad? Yeah, okay, cool. So um, workflow, uh, for those of you that ha know me or have seen me or met me at a show, you know workflow is my jam. 
And I kind of nerd out on this shit because I basically don't like doing the same thing. If I have to do something more than twice, I try to build a system or something around it so that I don't have to do that again. It's all because I just don't like repetitive tasks. I don't like hunting for shit. I like to just get into it. And uh, and I kind of like, I, I go a little crazy with this stuff. You've seen my videos on like the take system on tokens. I did a talk at NAB in 2017 where I kind of like went deep into like, uh, workflow stuff for lazy people. Um, so yeah, we've both got lists. So we're going to try to get through these and we'll see how far we get. Uh, okay. So the first thing on my list, and we've talked about this before, and I know Nick, I'm, I'm probably stealing this is your, this is probably on your list too. The idea of creating scenes specifically, uh, so that you don't start from scratch every single time you open up Cinema 4D. We call them internally, we call them starter scenes, but I don't know, like you might call them something else. Basically what this means is that if you find yourself always repeatedly opening up a new scene, changing the renderer, grabbing a light, grabbing a specific material, an object, whatever it is that you do for your daily work every single day, stop repeating that task and make what are called starter scenes that you can just open up and you're immediately have everything right there, the right render, the right settings, the right light, whatever it is that you do repetitively, repetitively, man, I'm like, my brain is fried today, but you know what I'm saying, right? Nick, are you, are you still there? Are you there? Yeah. They, they say my audio might be back. Um, and, uh, let me know if it's not, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's definitely on my list. Um, starting with those scenes and, and uh, you might be getting into this, but what I find myself doing is building a starter scene, using that scene over and over again. Every time I want to do an, like, for example, my recent one's called Octane uh, Aces Start with Psych. And it's literally a psych setup. It's got an HDRI link setup. It's got an HDR piped in. It's got my Aces workflows t- tied in. It's got a camera with an Octane camera tag on it with a little bit of depth of field. Like, all the things I always mess with, I put it in that scene and I save it. And then what I find is I'll I'll learn a new technique or have a new style of doing something. And then I'll start to do those the, like four new things every time I open a scene file again. And every time I catch myself doing that, I'm like, no, nope, make a new scene. So if I find myself, let's say, um, not rendering square as much anymore and doing this like super widescreen thing, Instead of changing that every time, I'll just get lazy, which is the whole point of all this stuff, right? Part of it's laziness, part of it's working faster. I would save a new scene file called the same, you know, Octane, Aces, Start, Widescreen. And then now I could start there. So what what are what's your like starter situation look like? What are some of the specifics that you dial into your um to your uh, starter scene? Mostly, uh, I have starter scenes for the three different renders because we're testing so many different materials and assets and stuff in these different renders. So I have one for Arnold, Octane, and Redshift. And um, I used to have quite a bit more of them. I used to like kind of, I went down this path where I was kind of overdoing it and creating uh, more start scenes than I really needed. And I kind of walked that back a little bit and simplified it down to just like my basic three that I kind of use. And then what I did was I, because I'm mostly in Arnold GPU, I set up my Arnold starter scene as my new .c4d scene. 
which if you don't know what that is, it's um, every time, you know, you open up Cinema 4D, you create a new scene, it's giving you this like blank default scene with like standard renderer and like all that stuff. Well, that's a, that's a, it's really not going to be useful if you're doing this like starter scene workflow. So I recommend creating a Cinema 4D scene that you would be happy with as like the thing that pops up when you open it or the thing, the scene that when you hit control N and it brings up a new scene file, that's where you want to start. And then save that as a new .c4d scene in your, oh geez, I, I'm going to space on where to put that thing now. Wherever I believe it's in your preference. Wait. I, th I think, maybe this has changed over the years, but I think it's wherever your icon is to open it wherever that exe or wherever the the mac yeah it's um, in your prefs thing is you put it there and prefs too i i don't think i've ever even used the prefs i just put it right in the same place where the cinema 4d logo is but prefs uh it sounds like that works too so that's yeah good. If you, i think it's uh, it might be different on mac too i don't really know but um Mine's in the app data roaming, Maxon, Maxon Cinema 4D, R24, blah, 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 blah. You know, that crazy directory that it, that it makes. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll yeah. ask Rachel a favor. We have a video called How to Work Faster in Cinema 4D um, on YouTube. And that's one of the tips is, is where to put that new .c4d file. And I think I talk about starter scenes in there, too. That might be a good one to, to link up, start with, too. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like you shouldn't but like you don't want to start if you could start a race halfway around the track, you would, right? Like, of course. Like and you and you weren't gonna get in trouble for it? Absolutely. So why do we as 3D artists uh decide to start from the starting line every single race? Like that just right. doesn't make any sense. Hundred percent. Um, I've been doing this, by the way, and uh, my guilty thing of doing that was in all my audio programs, which I kind of dabble with and record music. I would do the same thing. I'd, I would open up the same default the program Ableton, in this case, gave me for years and years and years. And finally, I slowed down, set up some a good starter scene that had my inputs set up properly, instruments that I, digital instruments that I use a lot set up, ready to go, so I don't have to go find them, set them up, set the levels, none of that. I would have my, you know, my favorite compressor chain, my favorite output chains. Now I'm not spending 10 minutes every time I decide to record music, uh, setting my desk up, setting my console up. The idea behind a lot of this is when you have an idea creatively or when your boss has an idea, or when your client has an idea about something creative and you're like, wonder how to do that. Wonder if I can do that. Or I know exactly how to do that. You're now jumping in and, and doing the thing and not preparing to do the thing. Just like Chad said, you're not, you're, you're not, uh, you know, you're not tying your shoes and getting ready and running half the race before you get even to the point that matters. You're getting a head start on yourself uh, with new .c4d files and these starter scenes as well. Uh, and Sean, before I forget, by the way, brought up a point that's on my list that he, he, he said it, so I, I think we should add it, and it's similar enough, is changing the primitive defaults. And you can change this with not just primitives, but with, I think, any object in Cinema 40, you can change the default parameter. So for me, Mr. Sphere Guy, what do you think the number one thing I do when I open up a, a sphere in Cinema 40 is? Anyone have a guess? Add more GD segments, <laughs> right? Because in physical render, 
they did it for you. As long as you had a a, a, a sphere, oh, right? Yeah. As long as you had a sphere that wasn't edited, then cinema on the way to the renderer would up all the segments on the spheres and make a perfect sphere. I never had to worry about it. But now with all the third party rendering, including Octane, you see every one of those segments. So the number one thing I do every time is crank up the segments. I never want a 16 segment, you know, uh, sphere. And I also uh, never want it in the default mode either. I go to a different um, uh, geometry mode for my spheres. So rather than do that every time, you can actually save a preset, just like Sean said. And the way you do it is to go to edit in your uh, uh, in your settings where you change all of your settings. Go up to edit and go to set as default. And then every time you go click that um, sphere in this example, it will show up with the segments that you wanted. It'll show up with the the mesh that you wanted. You could do that with any primitive. And I think things like MoGraph cloner, the, the actual cloner, let's say you use the cloner always with a different setting than the default is. You could save that as a new default and it'll, um, it'll always come in in that way. And I think that's so many of the objects that you could bring in, you could re preset your own defaults. Uh, so thanks for that, Sean. Just remember that you've done it. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> That's the one issue. <laughs> remember you've done it. It's also tricky for us that make tutorials when we when we change that stuff mm. because people are following along with us and theirs don't do that. <laughs> so I try hey, to- wait, my sphere looks all jaggy. Yeah, why is his sphere got uh, 80 uh, segments on it and mine's got 16 like an idiot? What, what am I doing wrong? Nothing. I just <laughs> I set it up. Okay. Um, well, so far, our list is looking real close so far, Chad. So why don't you uh, jump to something else here uh, and share your next thing uh, with, how, uh, with how you work more efficiently? Yeah. So another thing on my list is uh, it, it's, it's not sexy, but hey, it's necessary. Okay. Don't give me a hard time project folder structure have one develop it mold it to what you need it to be stick with it and you'll be happier you'll you'll live longer you'll uh, be more successful all these things mm -hmm. more attractive all yeah. whole thing. so all chad can you give me because i'm actually going through this right now i've been doing a lot of uh Let's call it a project, okay? I have a project. I have many outputs. There's different types of renders coming out of this project, but it's really not enough to start a new project for every render, for example, right? Does that make right. sense? Yeah. So how would you organize that? Would you start an entire new project for this whole render piece? Uh, like, Give me a rough rundown because all I, I literally, I start a new folder when I install a new version of cinema 40 i call it in this case 24 and every scene file i use in 24 i put in that folder this that's my organization okay then then i use your tokens uh or your token setup that you showed me that renders the file to a renders folder with the name of the scene file attached to the end of it which is super helpful so now all I have is a renders folder full of renders, e either an animation or a still. And then I can always look at the title of where that came from and go into my 20 into the corresponding folder and find that scene file. That's that's how that's how I'm living right now. So what I'm 
what is what's what is contrast that with the with chad's world right i i so it's not bad what you're doing isn't bad i don't want to like say that it's it's bad because any organization that's working for you is good like no matter who you are what you're doing if it's working for you then great but it can always be better everything can always be better love it thank you chad we'll uh, pull the chat back up here thank you guys thanks for the links rachel put a link there for um chad's video he actually has a uh, uh, we have a YouTube video called uh, oh gosh Cinema 4D tokens never name a render again so maybe it's a good time to talk about tokens since we said we'd get to it Chad can you give uh, a rundown of quickly what tokens are and also some of your favorite ones and how you use it uh, they can go dive into this video when they want to learn more about it but kind of give the general rundown of of your token setup uh, as it is today. Yeah, so tokens, if you haven't checked them out, it's, it's sort of like a, a common term uh, that's used even beyond um, 3D. Uh, it, it essentially is, is just pulling little pieces of information that you can append to a file. So a token, I'll give you an example. So let's say um, today's date is a token, right? And so in the, in the render settings, you choose, I, I don't remember the exact... Um, syntax for it but there's a little fly out so if you hit like i think it's like dollar sign day or something like that before the name of your render it's going to pull the date from your computer and put it in the name of that file so that is a token a token is something that's representative of a little piece of data that you can use in the naming of a file or an output so the way that we use them uh we actually use uh, Cineversity came out with a bunch of really amazing tokens and making your own tokens is really not that hard. In fact, I, I, I can't, I'm going to space on the person's name, but I remember seeing a tutorial about someone uh, who learned how to write their own in Python. So you can actually write your own tokens for your specific needs. But anyway, we use the Cineversity ones because they make ones that can pull in the date, the time of day, the hour, the minutes, the seconds, like all this crazy stuff that you can pull into your scene file or into your render output rather, so that you can build a really nice, simple token system that you never have to name an output again. It'll just actually pull the name of the scene file, maybe the date. Uh, Sean's saying they're built in now as, as far as S24. Is that, I didn't know that was true actually. Is it, it are tokens built in without the Cineversity plugin? Is that what you're saying? Uh, you know, I think they, I think they, I think he's right. I think they built in um, most of them. But I want to say there's even some that haven't. It. Yeah, let me look here. Yeah, like yeah, for I example, think all the ones that I was using. Yeah, they are. He's right. So I, I was. That's great. So that's cool. That's now, cool. if you're if you're using the latest version, you don't need Cineversity. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, so all of this is covered in that takes uh, tutorial that I think Rachel posted in the chat. Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out because tokens and takes are like together and like man they're just so powerful anyway all right you guys are chad you you and the the uh the uh, chat are killing the uh the the like basics for me so i got new dot scene for c4d scene file starters uh create your uh, don't forget about your layout by the way that seems pretty obvious but you, changing your layout to how you work and saving it um uh is is huge and i think a lot of beginners don't know that you could do that 
you could save exactly how all of your stuff is laid out. So um, that's a hugely important one. I wrote down the, the safe presets for anything. Uh, yeah, so I'm, we're getting through my list pretty good here. Um, Chad, do you have uh, what's next on your list? Um, and also, Chad, let's reach out to you guys too. Um, get get your favorite tip ready. What is your uh, you know workflow tip that you set up years ago that you just couldn't work without that saves you so much time? Um, and maybe you could share your thoughts and uh, fill everybody in as well. Chad, what's uh what's next on your list? Man, I've got still have a ton here, but um, let's let's I'm gonna uh, let's let's leave it up to the audience. I'm gonna name three things, and then you you all just yell and tell us which ones you want me to cover. We can talk about um, some object manager uh, tips to speed up your work in the object manager, or we could show some um, maybe some do do do. We we taught we briefly touched on takes, but we didn't really do a lot with that. So maybe takes, or um, maybe something on how I use layers. So, mm. what do you layers tokens or or takes rather or object manager? I think I'm gonna override the whole chat and oh, ask okay. about layers because <laughs> they're throwing their it's own in an executive in. move there. That's right. And I, I asked them a different question, so I didn't want them to. Oh, we wait, we're getting votes coming in. Joel is uh, also mentioning one of my favorites that'll take about thirty seconds to talk about here, which is uh, Shift C. So yes, uh, your new Cinema 4D, and or even if you've been using it, and you haven't used Shift C. Once you get used to it, you will not go back. Shift C is just very simply, if you use a Mac, and I know Windows has other things like this. If you've ever used a Finder that lets you search very easily for anything on your hard drive, um, that's what Shift-C is for only Cinema 4D. So if you've ever been in there, like, where's the cloner? Where's Atom Array? Where is the bevel tool? Where is any of this stuff? The, bet, the, the You can solve all of those questions with, with two key commands, Shift-C, and then start typing, and it will show you uh, not only where it is, if you want to know where it is, it'll actually just do it for you. You now don't need to know where anything is in Cinema 4D. You just need to roughly know what it's named. You could search it and add it directly to your object manager or apply that um, uh, like bevel tool, for example, like right into your scene. So uh, Shift-C is a huge one. Glad, Thank you, Joel, for bringing that one up. All right, let's see what we got here. We got uh, <laughs> Jesse says the best tip is to watch Grayscale Gorilla videos. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, that's what you're doing right now. That's what we're here to do, guys. Speed up your work. Help you make more stuff. Uh, we got takes, takes, layers, layers or takes. We got more shirt love for Chad's shirt. It is a nice shirt. Layers. I didn't expect to, that many people would know what this was. So takes Chad covers. Here's why. Here's why I'm voting layers. We also have a video for takes on Grayscale Gorilla on the YouTube channel. Anybody could go watch it. Um, I think, um, yeah, just search for takes Grayscale Gorilla and Chad will show you his take strategy. And we, we'll still probably touch a little bit on takes, but layers, I don't think you've done a video on layers, Chad. Have you? Yeah, I know. I, I've never done one on layers because I always sort of felt like 
I, I just, and it's a stupid assumption, but I guess I just assumed that everybody was using them or everybody knew about them. And it was just like, ah, it's just kind of common, you know, I don't know. But then the more I talk to people, the more I'm like, they, they're not using them. And it really like kind of freaked me out because it, it seems like to me, it seems like such a, a, a no brainer thing to utilize in the program. It, the way that they handle it in cinema is a little bit weird. So if you've ever come from a different 3D program, it can be a little bit strange. Layers are essentially uh, a way to organize and speed up everything in Cinema 4D. Not just like the stuff that you're looking at, but how stuff plays back and how it lists off in the in the object manager and whatnot. Uh, do you use them, Nick? I forgot if I asked you this question. No, I, I think... Um... I've used takes more than layers for sure. I, I use takes um, in the in the right um, moment. Layers I'm not familiar with. In fact, I even have to ask. Like layers doesn't even have this stuff by default, right? Everything you've built is from scratch, or is this how layers looks when you open it? No, they're blank. Uh, they're okay. blank by default. Layers, what they are, they they don't really have any sort of like uh, impact. They're not like a null. They're not like anything other than a way to control objects that are in the layer and even materials can have layers so this mm -hmm. actually becomes a really nice way of organizing materials too so it's not just for organizing scenes in your object or objects in your object manager but it can organize your materials as well love it love it okay um thank you guys uh joel thinks uh joel's got some good stuff going on today love it uh andy appreciate it man hope you're doing well uh oh thanks chad disappeared yet uh we're gonna jump into a few more notes uh chad's i know chad's uh got a quite a few more to go through uh, i also want to see what you guys are thinking anything you guys are struggling with uh or a tip that we're missing that's super obvious for everybody i think one to mention right now that i fought for a long time that immediately allowed me to work faster immediately allowed me to work um get get more creative ideas and frankly, do things I couldn't even do in the past is use a third-party renderer. Um, I, that is not a free option, <laughs> unlike layers. <laughs> uh, we I know that it, it, it costs extra to do that. Um, but man, I, I pushed that away uh, as something that I needed to do for a long time, um, more than most. And when I finally switched, I realized everything I was missing, not only creatively, um, but, and, and photo realism, uh, obviously was it at my fingertips at that point, um, rather than fighting what physical render could do, but instantly I was rendering faster. Instantly I was working faster, doing previews faster. Um, it's one of those things that I just could not go back to now that I've crossed the chasm. So whether it's Redshift, Arnold, uh, anything, anything that renders uh, Octane, obviously, is what I'm using. Give it a go. Go do the demo, uh, and 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 you know what you're missing out on. Um, it has been a, probably the the number one thing, um, other than like, remember when? Remember when you got your first solid state hard drive, yeah. Chad? You remember that? <laughs> wow, this is so fast. Like my computer, no chips <clears throat> changed. No, no CPUs changed in my case. Nothing else changed. I literally put a, a, a solid state hard drive in it, and my machine was instantly ten times faster. Loaded everything faster. Blah 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 blah. That's that's how I felt when I finally took the 
the the dive into uh, third party. Yeah, <laughs> it did work the other way. Sam said, my stubbornness really helped those of us who couldn't afford it yet because <laughs> I did all my <laughs> stuff in physical. Yeah, sorry, that's that's gone now. I think there still was, I mean, there still is uh, plenty of use cases for standard and um, for many of you out there, and I, I know not everybody could afford to get all the extra tools and everything, but my my opinion, unless unless you're in a very large shop who has been using standard forever and all of your default scene files and every project file you've ever made for every client is in standard and you open those over and over again and use them. There's we're losing unless very, all of that stuff is true. I think we're losing the point where standard has a leg to stand on. Um, it is, it is getting to the point now where Redshift and Octane and Arnold, any, any third party renderer now just completely changes the game. And so, yes, if you're brand new to cinema, you don't need it. You don't need it right away. You can learn a billion things without needing a third-party renderer. But as soon as you have a client knocking on your door, as soon as you have a client calling you, as soon as you have a project that you even personally as an artist want to get out the door, uh, man, I just, I can't, uh, I can't fight for physical much longer, you know? Uh, Let's see here. Standard for Sketch and There's also Sketch and Tune. Sketch and Tune's not super fast e either. You'd think it'd be fast to render. Uh, it's definitely a really capable render, but um, not super fast and, and really specific in what it does. Um, let's see here. Yeah, ProRender had some, some stuff going for it, but they got rid of that. Uh, that's gone. So yeah, your options are physical, the GPU built-in renderer, or third-party at this point. So obviously with them owning Redshift, you know, they, they, uh, I think I know where they want you to go. Um, and so I'd, I'd give it a go, give it a shot. That's my tip. Try third party rendering if you haven't done it yet. Uh, all right. Um, let's go to, let's try this one here. Uh, Bavana. I think I said your name earlier. I hope, hope I get it slightly better every time. Chad, your aces in Octane five minutes uh, tutorial, which made me go to get Octane. Wow. Amazing. Chad, you're selling Octane. A alone. toy. Where's my check? Instead <laughs> of a t-shirt. Uh, but a lot of t-shirts. Um, I've tried to uh, to use surface imperfection on the glass bottle, but nowhere near as awesome as yours. How did you set it up? Chad, you have a quick tip about your glass bottle render in that Octane five minute sesh, uh, in that Octane five minute video. How did you set that up? Is it surface imperfections? And if so, what, what, um, where would you pipe it in on glass to make it look the way it does in that scene? Uh, I have a video on setting up surface imperfections in Octane, which you should definitely check out. Um, but I think where most people end up going wrong with uh, adding surface imperfections to something like a glass bottle is that they tend to put the imperfections on the entire bottle surface, even on the inside, which would never happen because it's on the inside of the bottle. It doesn't get scratched or smudged or any of that sort of thing. So um, maybe look into uh, making sure your glass is set up properly with the octane uh, materials and then making sure that the imperfections are only happening on that outside surface, not the inside of the glass. And you could do that by, you know, separating it out into a selection tag or however you want to, however you want to handle that. There's a 
million different ways you could do that. But that's a typical sort of mistake that I see people make with glass is they tend to put it on both sides when, you know, you just got to keep in mind, like, would that ever get scratched on the inside? Probably not. Yeah, not as much for sure. So where would you, um, where would you pipe that into? Would it be the, uh, the bump or the, like the roughness, or is it more like a, like a, uh, bump map? Well, the way to think about surface imperfections and glass is you have to think about like what's happening in real life, like what's happening on glass. A scratch only shows up on glass because it's actually taking a piece of the glass off, right? You're scratching out the glass. When you do that, when something scratches glass, not only is it like divoting into the glass, but it's also making that surface rough because that's no longer a piece of the polished glass. That's like a scratched part of the glass. So it's a combination of, of bump and roughness on something like that. But a smudge is different. A smudge wouldn't necessarily have any bump. It's not going to stick out of a surface because that's just like a film of like oil or something from your hand. That's more glass. of a roughness. That's going to go into roughness. Yep. Exactly. I'm getting better. Definitely check those videos out. Uh, I, I think Rachel may have linked up uh, a few of these. Uh, and it's it's worth noting that we have a video for all three renders that we support here at Grayscale Gorilla. So uh, two sets of videos I want to recommend to you guys, especially if you're a Plus member. Go check these out. Um, and in fact, even if you're not a Plus member, you can go learn a lot from the Surface Imperfection training. Um, so for Surface Imperfections, we have a, a Chad made a video for Arnold, Octane, and, and Redshift showing you uh, where to pipe this stuff in exactly these questions and how to use these surface imperfections to create realistic uh, details in your renders uh, for all three um, major renders that we support. And those are on YouTube. You can go search for those and find them. The other one that uh, we came out with were the neon uh, effects as well. So uh, if you were here on the last stream, we teased out the neon materials that just launched last week. Uh, now there's three videos as well, Arnold Octane and Redshift. Uh, so if you use those renders, go check that out. Give you some tips and tricks on how to make, uh, how to use those neon materials. And a couple little uh, uh, tidbits on how to make uh, it look more photoreal in your specific renderer. Because we know, uh, we've seen, we've learned, frankly, it's hard for us to make one video for one renderer and say, like, you can figure out the other ones, right? No, it's hard. So we, we're starting to do more of each individual uh, renderer, all three of them. To make sure you guys have what you need uh, when it comes to when we launch new materials, the surface imperfections, where we have more of those coming out. So definitely check out those videos because it'll apply to all surface imperfections moving forward as well. All right, quick little plug for some stuff over on YouTube. Give it a like, give it a love, give it a listen, give it a love. I, I ran out of L words. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. Um, uh, keep the questions coming. If you have any specific, uh, um, if you have any specific questions, please uh, kick them our way. Chad, what um, what's next and the most important thing on your list? That uh, oops, sorry, I clicked on this question here. Uh, so I, well, I clicked on it. I think it's fair. I need to read it. I loaded S twenty four today, R twenty four today, and the work area is totally black, no grid, not showing primitives, updated drivers, no luck. I don't know. Do you have any quick fixes for that one? I know you were having some driver issues real quick with 24. Yeah, that, that sounds like a driver issue um, to me. I would say that um, I would check other installations of Cinema just to make sure. Um, 
And if it's happening, I would recommend if it's if, if it's definitely an error with that specific version, I would hit them up, hit up Maxon support. Awesome. All right. Thanks for the question. Why don't we do this, Chad? Um, uh, I think there's so many uh, of these tips and I, I wrote down some of the ones I missed, by the way. Thank you, chat and uh, Sean for uh, filling me in with some of these. Um, I think I think we could make like a, a list of this on the site somewhere, link to some of the a lot. A lot of these are can be uh, kind of jumped into in more detail, either in our YouTube, some of our YouTube videos. Uh, there's even also some plus videos I know that we jump deeper into some of these subjects. So maybe we build out a blog post or something like that where we could dive even deeper in all this stuff. What do you guys think? Would you guys want a tips and tricks, how to work faster um, kind of section of the website so we can um, kind of collect all these things? I know sometimes uh, when there's always a new tool to use, when there's always a new awesome new MoGraph thing to go learn, it can be hard to look at something like layers and be like, today is the day I'm gonna go learn layers. Really, I could go learn, you know, something else. <laughs> but uh, every time I take my my day to learn this stuff, I, I integrated uh, uh, tokens into my uh, preset scene file. I went out of my way to make uh, preset scene files for uh, for Octane and Redshift. Um, uh, every time I do that, it always helps me in the future because now you're doing something once and that's the whole point. Let's do it once and save it or once and make a preset out of it, once and make a tool out of it so you could use it into the future because that's that's what a lot of these tips are revolve around is making big decisions up front so that you can then uh, work faster when the time comes, when the client's calling, when the deadline's approaching. So that you're not doing it then. That's the that's the real point of this stuff. Because look, if we're hobbyists and we're playing and we're learning, it's okay. You could do it the slow way. That's fine. But for those of us doing this for a living, for those of us with clients to make happy, with uh, even art to make that we want to get out the door, um, and and bosses asking us to do more and more, these things help us get to work, get working on the important things. Um, so, uh, Chad, thank you for sharing a lot of those. I think we have a few extra minutes here. Um, why don't we do a couple things here with the last, uh, maybe 10 or so minutes. Uh, let us know your biggest takeaway, your biggest tip that you learned during this, uh, uh, live show. That is something you're going to implement tomorrow or, or on Monday. Uh, I know I'm going to, um, uh, look at layers. That's going to be my big takeaway, uh, from a lot of this stuff let us know what yours is. And in the next 10 minutes, we're going to answer some lightning round questions. Uh, if you guys have a, a, a question about working faster or anything Cinema 4D related, anything working, you know, more efficiently related. And for those of you uh, that are here from Grayscale Gorilla Plus, if you have any uh, questions about Plus or anything happening there, we're here. We want to answer your questions. Uh, do a quick little lightning round in the next 10 or so minutes. Um, let's pull the chat back up here. Boom. Awesome. Uh, this, uh, Joaquin has been asking this question. I keep forgetting to pull it up. Says, uh, Chad, are you using the standard save menu or the octane save menu when rendering with octane? Um, typically I'll use, uh, well, honestly, 
both sometimes I'm lazy and I just do it through the normal save and then sometimes I'll go in and 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 do it through the octane one. You have options in one or the other that you don't have in the I think I, yeah, I I think there's some limitations. I don't remember exactly cuz I don't honestly I don't output a lot from octane um but I do a similar workflow in Arnold where I use the Arnold drivers cuz there's just way more control over the image that comes out and and whatnot but um yeah it's a mixture kind of sometimes if i'm lazy i'll just do the default but then if i'm doing something particular um i'm i'm using the other one i I, th I think there was like something that i was doing yeah i can't remember but if you're on gsg connect um i'll try to remember what the issue that i ran into was hit me up yeah uh good shout out for the slack channel please go join the slack channel uh it's in your account if you're a plus member, you have instant access to it. Go join us. We're answering uh, questions. And more importantly, we have a whole community there helping each other out, ask, uh, yeah, asking questions. Um, it's also great, too. You know, there's always questions that you can search in Google and get an answer for, right? Especially if you're a beginner. So many of those things. But once you move up and you start to have more unique problems, more unique things to solve, working on something more specific, it's a great place to go ask questions because these are professionals who do this stuff for a living. Our customers are in the Slack helping each other out, talking about tools and techniques all the time. So please come join it. Um, there's also a uh, question about some Chad training, uh, which is where can we see more Chad training, including your uh, Mac uh, Redshift tutorial? Uh, a lot of it um, you could go find on YouTube. Search Chad Ashley. It's probably tagged. Uh, especially if you're getting started with some of these third-party renderers. Chad's got a ton of awesome videos. But if you're in Plus, we also have a ton of videos recorded from Chad, including a super breakdown of what would you, what did what did you make that uh, can scene in? Um, that Arnold, was all Redshift. Redshift. So yeah, a whole project. Training. If you want to see more of not only how all this stuff works, but see it in a product or in a project, that Chad started from scratch and shows you how to build the whole thing. Go check out that uh, uh, Redshift additional training that we have at Grayscale Gorilla Plus. It breaks down an entire project uh, from a real client from start to finish on how to uh, think about it, not just as how to use cinema, but how to think about it as an entire client um, process, including changes and setting stuff up for that. So definitely check that one out. Um, uh, Sean, thank you for the question uh, and tons of other stuff, uh, not only on YouTube, but also inside of Plus. Um, all right. Uh, scene and render settings. So we're getting some feedback on what people are going to do right away. Michelle says uh, scene and render settings for sure. Make your own scene uh, preset scene file. Absolutely. Best thing. Best thing. That speeds me up every day. Um, all right. We got... Uh, Let's see here. Nick, what's the what is that thing on your wall? This is a sound panel. Uh just like other things around my room, I got all these other panels on the wall. Those things uh those things stop the echo from happening in a room. Uh what they don't do is keep sound from going out of a room. If you're having that problem, that's a really hard problem to solve. But if you ever have a room that's really live, it's echoey, you've been in a hotel room where you you, you like hear a sound and it echoes forever. That's because there's not enough dampening. There's maybe uh, two surfaces that are facing each other that are too per perfect, and sound will just bounce off of it for uh, not quite forever, but for a long time. 
sound panels uh, help reduce that, uh, especially when you're doing audio and stuff in a room. So that's why you'll see them at recording studios, podcasts, and all that kind of stuff. So that's what those do. Uh, thanks for the question. Um, where are all of Chad's old 3DS Max tutorials? Yeah. <laughs> Nate, what's up, man? They are in the ether. They're in the, They're on a hard drive? I don't know. I, I think I did a couple on Vimeo, but I don't know. I haven't. They're, yeah, they're gone. They're long gone. They're not on Vimeo anymore? I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, Sean asked if I tried Guitar Pro. I haven't tried that. Um, have been playing more guitar lately. A lot more keyboard, though, lately. That's been something I've really focused on during the pandemic uh, times and quarantine, learning more about piano. Always had a basic kind of knowledge of it, but I've been really trying to triple down in the last year. So I try to keep my instruments next to me. So... When I need a little break, take 10 minutes, noodle through something, come back to project, come back to work. Helps a lot. Uh, Todd, that's a good question. Somebody was asking that earlier, and I uh, didn't ask you because you were streaming. Todd's asking what about your monitor. Uh, yeah, it's a 32-inch LG. Uh, oh, geez. Let's see if I can get the model number. Stand by. Um, I'm not sure if it'll tell me the model number. Let me see. Sean, I'll I'll look into that. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I th I feel like um I think I feel like what's posted on our site somewhere. Oh, isn't it uh, on the new the new computer? page, like the new computer thing? Maybe. Um, oh, yeah, we you have, know what? Maybe not. Yeah, if you're interested in Chad's computer too, we have a new blog post uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, all about Chad's new machine and uh, the specs of it. Uh, some of the benchmarks I think are there, and I forget if you mentioned your monitor, but it it might be in there. Yeah, let me look it up. I'll sign it in two seconds. Um, all right, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I did want to mention the render presets as well. That's something I've been meaning to check to see if render presets also work with third-party renderers. I'm assuming they do. I'm assuming they do. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. So uh, we probably don't have time to jump back in, but... Go, go look up render presets. Uh, we even use them if you've used HDRI Studio Rig. Um, they're included in HDRI Studio Rig if you use physical render. You click on add render presets, and we developed a series of render presets in order of how fast they render from super grainy, basic, get a preview, all the way to super high quality. And those are all render presets that dial in all the settings to exactly what you want and you can save a preset and you can even bring it up later. So uh, look into that. That is something that I haven't dialed into with Octane. I feel like for me, once I've dialed Octane in, there's only three or four settings I need to tweak. So I don't really need to go into the crazy default, you know, the crazy render settings that you used to have to do when it was all these detailed GI settings and all that stuff with physical. But that is something else that was on my list that we didn't talk about today. Uh, so the monitor, if you, uh, I just sent the, I just sent the link to Rachel, so she should be able to post it in in the chat. Uh, Anish, I uh, hope say your name right. Uh, let me pull up this question here. Uh, hold on one sec. Do do. I'm not finding it where I can pull it up. Okay, here it is. Here's the question. Talking about uh, re making realistic beer fizz inside of Cinema 4D. Don't have X particles. Um, 
I think I actually came across a an Octane video about this. So I think if you have Octane, what I'd recommend is the Octane scatter effect. It's almost like a MoGraph cloner, but through Octane, so it's a lot uh, faster. Uh, doesn't quite do real dynamics, but it does a lot of push apart stuff, and it lets you put, you know, millions of objects on the screen rather than kind of cap out get there. So I think that a shot. Uh, does it well too. Octane scatter. I've been using that as well. Does Arnold have a similar scatter, render time scatter, Chad, that you put millions of objects on the screen in render time? I think I understand what you said, but you're kind of roboting again. Uh, yeah, they do have a, uh, a scatter thing built in. Boo. Sorry, guys. Let me know if I'm still roboting. Yeah, I think your your video froze for me. I don't know if it's uh, if it's like that for everybody else. Oh, I'm gonna have to have Chad wrap it up. Um, you still there? Tell me. <laughs> yeah, you're there. I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Well, we're uh, wrapping well, up I, anyway. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a good point to wrap this one up, guys. Thank you, guys, so much uh, for joining. Uh, uh, this will be the last show of the season. Thank you guys so much. Uh, please make sure you subscribe here on YouTube um, and uh, help us out. Hit the like button. That'll let people watch the replay as well. Um, don't worry. We got plenty more stuff coming over the summer and uh, even working on a, a new um, plus update that should be out uh, toward the end of the summer. Uh, that is got some fun stuff I can't tell you about right now. Uh, but Plus members, thank you so much for coming to these. We always appreciate your questions. And if you're not a Plus member yet, go check it out. We're adding stuff all the time. And especially if you're using uh, third-party renderer right now, the material collections are getting really bonkers right now. Go see what's new uh, over at Grayscale Gorilla. We have Chad's new uh, blog post about his computer. Um, we also have a free... Um, uh, you can go make a free Grayscale Grill account, get some goodies there. Don't forget about that. Um, and what else? Uh, join the Slack channel. If you're in Plus and you haven't done that yet, please do that. Also, if you're in Plus and you haven't installed your hub and everything else included in Grayscale Gorilla Plus, go do that. Um, uh, I know some of the training is nice to just get started and start watching right away. Definitely go download all the HDRIs and tools, plugins. You get it all now. Just making sure everybody knows, because that was that was a big uh, change here. Hey, John Dickinson's here. What is up? We were talking about you earlier, buddy. Uh, rec recommending your modeling training as always. So go hit up John and his crew. Uh, I think it was making it look good. Great. I always get that messed up, John. I apologize. But I'm going to say great. Nobody. I mean, anybody can make it look good. John's going to help you make it look great. Uh, I think it's version 11, so go check that out. Andy, what is up? Eric Miro. Look, look, the whole crew comes back when we're wrapping Eric up. Eric Miro. Oh, my God, dude. I haven't. Oh, my God. I miss that guy. Love you, man. Good to see you guys. I miss all you guys. I hope to hug you all soon uh, if you want. If you want hugs. I'm, I'm just I'm going to say it out there. If you guys want hugs, I'm ready. See you in Vegas. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for joining. Sean, I appreciate it. Thank you for all the great questions. Uh, thank you all for joining. 
Uh, John, hope you're doing well. And um, we'll see you in another Grayscale Gorilla live show uh, starting next season for season two of this thing. So thank you guys again for joining us. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing it. Go check out the podcast as well, especially if you haven't, uh, if you were late to this episode or if you haven't seen old episodes of the live show, go subscribe to the podcast. With that, Chad, thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate you, man. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, I will see all you guys in another show. Have a good weekend. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for the podcast today. Do us a favor and leave us a comment on iTunes or YouTube and let us know what you think about the show. Or if you have an idea for a subject we can dive into on future live shows. We read all the comments and we really do appreciate your input. And stay tuned, because our live shows are coming back on August 26th. Go on over to YouTube and hit subscribe so you can stay up to date on when these live shows are happening. Until next time, happy rendering, folks.